Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Word from the Realm podcast, an in-depth look at the world of Sarah J. Mass. Join us as we fall through the Word Gate together to discover the true magic of these amazing realms. We are your hosts, Sarah, aka Rosebud. And I'm Avery Freckles and Fiction. And today we are talking about part one of Queen mm-hmm. of Shadows. Part one, because we are absolutely positively incapable of spending less than a solid 45 minutes talking about almond oil. Yeah. Well, <laughs> not, not only that. So Avery and I had, I think after we finished recording the Air Fire podcast, we were like, we have to start splitting these up because yeah. the two of us will ramble about <laughs> Queen of Shadows probably for four hours easily for four hours yeah I mean this will at least be two two hour podcasts yeah exactly so I was like you know what how do you feel about doing it in two parts and we were like sure so it was very much like a twist my arm situation yeah yeah, I really had to beg (laughs) we are only talking about part one of Queen of Shadows tonight and Uh I say tonight because usually Avery and I record this podcast on the weekend early in the week like in the day too and it is late but like, the, it just so happens that Sarah and I both have incredibly busy weekends uh, in October. That's just kind of how the cards have fallen. So. Yeah. Yeah. So we're really excited. We're, this is Queen of Shadows is both of our favorite yes. run of glass book. Yes. It's, I think it's my third favorite Sarah J. Mass book. It's my number one. Well, yes. So Queen of Shadows, Hosab <laughs> almost knocked it. But it did not. Hosab's number two for both of us, correct? Yes. Okay. You and I flip Silver Flames. Yes, correct. Yeah. So yep. it's for me, it's Agassif, Hosab, Queen of Shadows, and then Sarah is the flip of that. Yeah, so I'm Queen of Shadows, Hosab, Silver Flames. Is Kingdom of Ash number four for you? I don't remember. I know it. I know it <laughs> I is have, for me. I know it is. No, my I don't top, think so. I, I know my so. top five. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. But yeah, I mean, you and I both love Queen of Shadows. We, it's, yes. I think for both of us, this is where the series really, really started to take off. Like, oh, I think yeah. we were hooked, but I don't think we were fully hooked until like this book. Like this let's was be the honest. official. Let's be honest. The reality of Asterin and Elid for me, it was Asterin and Elid and their stories in this story that like yeah. really sold the series for me. I was like, Okay, well, and then uh, Lysandra. Yes, and for me, we can't was, go without talking about my baby girl. Uh, for me, it was Rowan. This was this is when I fell in love with Rowan. It was well, not Air like, Fire. It well, was of Queen course of not. He was as much as we love Rowan. He was an ass in Air Fire. Yes. So yes, this is this is the book where Kale is an ass. Yeah. Okay. So let's just dive right on in. So <laughs> let's go <laughs> ahead. So the first thing is what's really interesting about this book and for, and and again, we are going to keep this mass universe spoiler free. So no crazy theories. But the one thing I do want to quickly point out is I'm 99% sure that by the time she wrote this book, she already had the concept for Crescent City. So yeah. just, so just in case anyone's wondering about timeline wise, this is about mm-hmm. the time when Crescent City was, was in her brain, but was not written yet. Right. And this book came out post Akatar. Yes. I don't yes. know if it was post Akamath. I think it was it came between Akatar and so. Akamath. Yeah, I think so. So um, then she started to flip flop them. 
Mm-hmm. Yep. So just so everyone is aware, I just want to keep that in the back of your head, especially if you're doing a reread that this was around the time when she started thinking of Crescent City. And so mm-hmm. now would be a good time to start paying attention. Okay. If you haven't been already. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm just going to go ahead and get this out of the way and talk about the Dorian chapters. Let's just move on after we yeah. talk about it. Let's just get, let's just, let's get it out of the way. Can so, we just, uh, Demon Dorian. That's, that's, that's all, all we need to say. I have to contribute to this. Sarah actually lovingly read these chapters for me because he's my baby and I couldn't put myself through it again. And I don't mind. So, <laughs> well, I read Sam Cortland for you. So, yeah, I couldn't do that. So, the, <laughs> the most interesting thing, and I'm Avery and I talked about potentially doing a, a bonus podcast at the end of all of throne of glass to really dive into theories so i really can't say much about demon dorian chapters other than i found them to be extremely fascinating this time around that's all i can say i can only say that yeah i can only say that i found them very fascinating i can't go into why or you know potential conversations about it without getting without getting the whiteboard and the like crazy sticky notes but, but i mean I, we can't we can say that obviously dorian is being held by a valg prince and yeah. there are there's information we find out about the valg through this and yes. that is why you need to pay attention to these chapters even though they suck the other thing i want to point out because i don't think i complain about it enough is how worthless queen georgina is <laughs> she's literally the worst you, like i can't adequately rank queen georgina versus holland but they're like both oh no terrible she's she she ranks higher for me because does she yes because my issue with queen georgina is like you gave birth to two sons what woman in their right mind gives birth to a child granted i'm not a mother so like a mother may come at me and say like i'm incorrect but doesn't know that her son isn't there anymore like are you so disconnected that you don't recognize the huge shift in your child i mean but dorian didn't really look like her so i know but i'm just saying like (laughs) what in what universe do you not recognize this major shift i mean there it's it's a little later in part one where it's it's actually right before adian's rescue there's a dorian chapter and i can't remember which one it is it doesn't matter but it starts with dorian saying Something along the lines about like the queen who birthed, like the woman who birthed me doesn't even recognize that I'm no longer there. It's like, really? Like you have no, there's no sort of indication. And I'm, this isn't a huge spoiler. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. She never comes up again after this moment. I think she's brought up in one sentence in Empire of Storms to explain what happened to her. And that's it. Yeah. Pointless. A tough time. (laughs) That's all I'm going to say about her. And then when it comes to the Dorian chapters, it is what I find really fascinating about them is how while Dorian is the one narrating the chapters, it is mm-hmm. still very much the Valg taking over. So yes. what is very fascinating about them is you kind of, even though it is Dorian, you, you're getting this dual point of view a little bit. So while they, if you just take yourself out and pretend like it's not Dorian, because that's what I do when I read them. It's, <laughs> it's very fascinating. They're very fascinating. They're not fascinating. They're sad. They are sad, but they're fascinating. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. Do we want to talk about witches or you want to talk about Rowan and Aelin? <gasps> Which would you rather end with? Because when we talk witches, we talk Elide. But when we talk Rowan and Aelin, we talk Lysandra. 
let's talk Rowan and Aylin because we saved him for last last time and we got tired. So let's let's do Rowan and Aylin. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. So the biggest thing, and I know this is, and I'm just going to go ahead and get it out of the way. This is my reason for why I love Queen of Shadows so much. Aylin is at the top. Like no one can tell me that she is not perfect in this book. Like I will take no criticism for Aylin Galathinius and Queen of Shadows. I will take criticism for her in any other book not queen of shadows she's top tier in this book she's like she is peak aelin does she make mistakes no yes, <laughs> yes. no but she, make, she makes a few mistakes but you know she, what but she's human she's allowed to make mistakes she's part human she's allowed <laughs> to make mistakes uh, i had to correct myself really quickly there before i got corrected she's mortal um right yeah. So, you know, she's allowed to make mistakes. She's allowed to not know exactly how she wants to rule yet because she's been shoving this part of her aside for so long. But she's so like, <laughs> okay, give me a minute. I'm in, I'm getting there. <laughs> she's allowed all of these things. We can allow that. But she is really coming into her own in this book. And yeah. she's owning everything that she's doing and she is not apologizing for 98 percent of it yeah so a really important thing that i want to point out really Mm. quickly is in chapter two of queen of shadows there is a line that says when she got on the boat and she came to Wendelin, one of the first things she did was she wrote on a piece of paper her entire plan then she burned the paper and it was gone that plan is in action in Queen of Shadows and Empire of Storms. I think the beginning half of her plan, which is like the Queen of Shadows stuff, was like top tier. Once she gets to Empire of Storms, that plan starts to falter a little bit. So well, that's because, you know, things were thrown at her. She wasn't quite expecting. Exactly. So that is, I'm going to, well, I'm not, ex- I mean, I'm Team Aelin right now, but when I get to Queen, when I get to Empire of Storms, it's a little bit of a different conversation. So yeah. just want to throw that out there. But the most interesting thing, and and I don't know if you felt this way, but I definitely did, was the first time I read this, I really struggled to keep up with her scheming. And so oh, yeah. that when you reread it and you know what what is the end result, it's easier to kind of pick up the pieces. So a few really fascinating things very early on is her conversations with Arabin, how she's choosing to dye her hair, how she's choosing to interact with him are were all meticulously thought out and planned ahead of time. Yeah, absolutely. So it's my favorite part. Um, well, you just like that she's a ginger in the first part of this book. I do like that she's a ginger, but I also <laughs> love, I think the main thing that I really love and, and what sold me on the series was Adian's Rescue. But Adian's Rescue is top tier quality content. Yes, but I don't want to get too far into that yet. I just want to say that like, when you look at the earlier chapters, you can see the breadcrumbs that led to Adian's rescue, but also led to Arabin's demise at the end of part one. So there, that is the most fascinating part. The fact that she dyes her hair is something that I honestly didn't even notice the first time I read. And oh, I, I did. Read, I was yeah. like, she's a redhead. <laughs> then the second time I read it and I understood the full context of why her hair was red, which for those of you that read Assassin's Blade, she does say later on, like she's she goes to the pits as Ansel. So she it, it was all planned. It's just genius. But anyways, no, it's absolutely just mind blowingly genius. You're just like, I'm sorry. Yeah. How? 
so going into the first two chapters so the first chapter was really or i'm skipping the first chapter because that was dorian the chapter two and chapter three with with selena aelin for all intensive purposes everyone in the room thinks she's selena but she is calling herself officially aelin and what is interesting is so we get an interaction with arabin and we also get to see kale for the first time but don't talk to kale right so what is it? I mean, because Kale's being dumb. Kale's being really stupid. Kale should have known better than to ever go to Arabin. I know, but we're gonna let that slide. Are we? Well, we're gonna bitch about him later. So that's we're why gonna, I said we're, we're gonna, gonna let gonna him move slide. on from that. But we're yeah, not yeah, letting yeah. this. Slide. No, no. <laughs> just like, we're gonna let that slide right now because we got like I think it's chapter seven that I will rant about. But anyways, I'm ready. The most interesting part I think would be Arabin. Her interactions with Arabin, watching them kind of banter. It's. Honestly, it's kind of fun, but also Arabin's creepy. So, you know, Arabin has always been one of the most fascinating characters to see Aelin go up against, Mm -hmm. though. Like, that's what's always been so intriguing about him for me. Yes. It's not that he's attractive and not that, like, he's like this head of the king of the assassins or whatever. It's the inner machinations that he's constantly, like, trying to do to make things work for him. You're just like, what is going on in your head? Like, mm-hmm. what is your plan here? And then, like, later when Aelin said that, I felt so validated. She was like, so that was what his plan was. And I was like, thank you. Yeah. I was wondering, too. I think that's the most interesting thing about Arabin as well, is the fact that he is the type of character, kind of, I mean, exactly what you said in terms of, like, you don't really know what's going to come out of his mouth, but the minute it does, you're like, ah, you were holding that piece of information for right now. Right. Or like you were like, I should have seen that. Yes. Yes. Which is just so frustrating. (laughs) And it's interesting reading Arabin here versus Arabin in the Assassin's Blade because Selena is really, or Aelin, I should say, Aelin in Queen of Shadows is really trying to one up him, but there are moments where she falls and she catches her, like he catches her in it. And so that I think is what makes it so compelling is Mm -hmm. You know, there are moments where you wonder if he genuinely does care for Aelin. And then at the end, you realize he never did. No, because he sucks. Yep. Moving on to chapter five. This is when we officially meet Nezrin. So Nezrin appeared in earlier chapters, but this is when, you know, Aelin and Nezrin have a bit of an interaction, which is a lot of fun when you think about what happens to her later in the series. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say about Nezrin. Uh, She's a really fun character. She's very interesting. Her whole story arc is more fascinating in Tower of Dawn. So I oh yeah, uh, yeah. I won't get into too much about her in this section. That's not to say that she's not an interesting character here. Like there are so many facets of Nezrin that are so interesting. But so like, don't discount her in Queen of Shadows. But Mm -hmm. like, she's better in Tower of Dawn. She is, and I think what's really important about her story in Queen of Shadows is understanding that. In a way, she was kind of dragged into this rebellion because of Kale, but she wasn't dragged, like, she wasn't forced into this. She was dragged into it, but genuinely wanted to be a part of something because right. she was always viewed as an outcast in Otterlin and yes. Rifthold. So yes. that is what is most compelling and fascinating about her when you read her journey in Queen of Shadows and then see the results of it in Tower of Dawn. Yeah. Cool. All right. Now we go to chapter seven. This is when Kale decides to have some lovely speeches. And uh, for all the Kale lovers out there, this is what I'm going to say. Okay. I don't hate Kale. 
I never I have. I vehemently dislike him. I don't hate him. I never have. I struggle <laughs> with his reasoning in this moment, but later on, I understand where he's coming from. I am just having, like, this is the thing no one can ever explain to me, is how did we go from the last time we, Kale and Aelin interacted was Crown of Midnight, where they were at the docks. He had no idea she was Aelin. He was sending her away because he loved her and he wanted her to be with the Fae. How did we go from that moment to a few months later, them in the tunnels in Rifthold, and him complaining that she didn't bring an army because she's Aelin Galathinius. The miscommunication trope said what now? Yeah, no, I, I get it. So all I will say to that is I can see how he heard about the battle at Mistward. Okay. And her unleashing her firepower and thinking she's made allies. She's like fought in this battle maybe she has people she can bring to come back and like fix this okay but yeah when she doesn't it's not a why didn't you da 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 give her an opportunity to explain it's a you don't care anything about us you don't care about dorian you don't care about me you don't care about this country you might as well let it all burn to hell i hate you blah and i'm just like my guy the other thing too is how is she supposed to know that you figured out the riddle well not only that but like she doesn't know everything that happened yes kale she doesn't know that dorian has been collared until she finds out that dorian has been collared and even kale doesn't understand the repercussions of that collar no no one does it Except is... for Aelin, she kind of understands it because she saw the Valg princes with the collars yes. in Mistward, in Windland. Ye- yes, so she, at this point, Aelin's understanding of the collars is that they're, that it's essentially a possession. It's the way the Valg yes. can possess a human. That's her understanding of it. Kale has no idea. That's not an understanding for Kale at all. But the fact that this, first off, I also want to say that I remember, obviously this time around it didn't happen, but the second time I reread the series, I kind of forgot which chapter it was that they got into this argument. But I remember being very excited to see Kale again because I I genuinely do like him. And then he opens his fat mouth and I have no sympathy for what comes out of it. Yeah. None. He calls her a monster. He still has issues with magic, even though Dorian had a massive lecture to him in in Air of Fire. Yeah. He blames Aelin for a lot without fully understanding or comprehending what she went through. He's only right. going off of what rumors he heard. That's it. Right. And I, I don't... When am I supposed to sympathize with that? No, the boy has... Okay. The boy has a lot of growing still to do. And mm-hmm. like he's just not there. And he and we all know he will eventually get there mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. we have faith in Kale. But do right I have faith now, in Kale or do I have faith in another character that will get him there? Shh, we don't have to talk about that yet. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we understand that our broody, annoying, poor decision making men have better women at their sides. We just haven't gotten there yet. Okay. Okay, fine. Okay. I just don't want to give him the credit for that. Okay, you can you can give the credit to her. I'll allow it. 
I'm going to get hate for that, but I don't care. <laughs> it's okay. No, Alex and Izzy will yell at me later. <laughs> well, let's just be on. Let's be honest. Kale doesn't get there on his own. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. So no. like, we can, but this is not Tower of Dawn and we can get into that later. No, no. Um, but the point is, is I, anytime someone's like, well, I got to defend what he said. And, and this is the one time I will, I just, you, you can't can defend it. You can't defend you this can't moment. Defend it. And he knows you can't defend it. He's ashamed of what he says yes later on he is yeah like he he didn't it takes him a whole damn book but later on he is he later on he is ashamed of what he said to her and like he he grows and learns from those things that he said but that does not just because you make an apology does not mean that somebody has to accept it so exactly like understand that your words have consequences and yeah it sucks that you said it and yeah she eventually forgives him but like does she have every right to like not want to work with him at all because he's actually being a jerk right now? Yeah. Yeah, yeah she does. Yep. And that's okay. We can love Kale for his flaws and also understand that in this moment, he's not in a good place. Yes. Yep. And it's the same thing like with when Rowan punched Aelin in the face and said she was worthless. Like you can't take that back. No. No, but you, you can can't. move forward from it and we can forgive Kale for what he said. But in this moment, no, no, we're we're mad at him in this moment. And that's OK. To be fair, uh, karma bit Rowan in the ass for punching Aelin in the face. That is very true. So that's why I usually am like, we can forgive him. I'm like, no, karma, karma showed him. OK, like, <laughs> yeah, it's fine. OK. All right. OK. Did we rant long enough? About I think that? we ranted. I think we ranted long enough. OK. Chapter, chapter nine is your girl's entrance. <laughs> I figure um, you want to lead this one. So I'll let you I lead. would love nothing more. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> here's the thing. The last time we saw Lysandra, Aelin was hurling a knife at her head. Yes. That's the last time we saw her. In, in the Assassin's Blade. In the Assassin's Blade. Yes. Yes. So. I've titled this a lot can change in two years and it's something that Aelin says at the end but basically the gist of this is that Lysandra shows up at the apartment with a young girl we find out the young girl's name is Evangeline she has scars on her cheeks we find we find out a lot of things in this chapter but we Honestly, find out I feel like the one thing that's really funny about Sarah J Mass is anytime she introduces a character it's like yeah. info dump central and oh. no exception here I know. It's absolutely insane. But basically, we meet Evangeline. We find out that Arabin has sent Lysandra. He doesn't trust messengers, so he has sent her as essentially a gift for Aelin to kill her. And she assumes, Lysandra assumes, that that is what is about to happen. Because she knows that Aelin will never forgive her for whatever it was that she did. You know, like, I mean, she was she was purchased by Arabin. So, like, is it really her fault? That's but... what I'm trying to think. Like, what is Aelin mad? I think Aelin, this is what's really interesting. I think this is one of the very few instances where we see true girl drama. Mm-hmm. And but the thing is, it wasn't because the women. It was because Arabin really kind of stirred the pot for this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he really did. I'm only going to pull a couple of quotes here. Mm-hmm. So. The courtesan nodded. Arabin murdered Wesley for killing Rourke Farron. Why have you been carrying a, le- a letter to me from Wesley for almost two years? Lysandra wouldn't look up and her voice broke as she said, because I loved him very much. So we find out that essentially Lysandra found out that Sam had been 
murdered and that Aelin had been sent to Indovier. So Selena had been sent to Indovier and um, she found all of this out through Wesley who was sitting in the carriage as she like broke down crying after Arabin like had her that night and like proclaimed that he was the best and like talked about how he manipulated all of that into happening and was like just really icky about it all. The other really interesting thing to note is when you go back and you read the last story of Assassin's Blade, there is a moment where Wesley tries to stop Selena. Yes. And he tries to tell her to not it's fall a trap. for trap. Yeah, he tries to tell her it's a trap and to not fall for it, but she was so emotionally distraught, she didn't listen, which is where what Avery is saying ties in is that line in Assassin's Blade. Yeah. So also, if you go back to the Patreon notes, there's a, a nice little gif in there for you that says, it's a trap from Star Wars. You're welcome. Good job. Um, Good job. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> we also find out in this chapter that Evangeline tells us why she has the scars on her cheeks. And it's that Lysandra put those scars there to prevent her from entering into the courtesan life. And as such, Madame Clarice made Lysandra pay for Evangeline as if she was a full-fledged courtesan. Continues to increase the price on Evangeline. Correct, because she continues to grow in beauty, and therefore Lysandra cannot and has not paid off her debt to Madame Clarice yet, and is still a courtesan, which Aelin is so confused by. But the last thing I want to point out from this is this little mini paragraph at the end, and it's, if she herself could change so much in two years, perhaps so could Lysandra. And for a moment, she wondered how another young woman's life would have been different if she had stopped to talk to her. Really talk to Caltaine Rampier. Beside, instead of dismissing her as a vapid courtier, what would have happened if Nehemia had tried to see past Caltaine's mask too? Evangeline was climbing into the rain-gleaming carriage beside Lysandra when Aelin appeared at the warehouse store and said, wait. So this is where we get the first hint that Aelin is... Letting go of past girl drama, Mm -hmm. understanding that this person could very well have changed and is no longer this vapid, vapid person that she knew growing up. Because we all change from 17 to 20. Like, come on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very easy to do. Yeah. She recognizes that she doesn't have any girlfriends and she would love nothing more than to have girlfriends. And so she takes a chance extends the olive branch and it turns out very well in her favor or how about this she reaches out that hand you can't hear Avery because she screams so loud her mic cut out the other thing i want to point out is arabin sent lysandra as a gift but lysandra knew and so she brought evangeline she brought Evangeline to tell Evangeline's story, but she also told Evangeline that she thought she was she might die. Yes. And that Evangeline wasn't allowed to say anything. Yes. And it was going to be some sort of peace offering. And Evangeline continues to be a peace offering throughout the Evangeline's series. The best. She is the best. Okay. We're gonna skip a few chapters, but I just want to quickly catch everyone up to speed with Adian and then we'll talk about Adian's rescue. So the important thing to know about Adian is Basically, in his chapters, which are very, very short, he either has interactions with Demon Dorian or we are learning that he was injured and he's hiding this injury because he's hoping to die before they 
basically put him up as a pedestal at Dorian's birthday. The other important thing to know, and it's the only thing I'm going to read from chapter 11. Chapter 11 is in the shadow market. And this is when Aelin talks to Ras and Brulo. She basically indicates them them to wear this like flower at the Dorian's birthday to basically yes. tell them like it's her hidden way of saying we're not going to I'm not going to attack you that like, and to and to stay away from a certain area like gated yes, area yes yes so the only thing I want to read is about the god of truth in the shadow market which there's a few so the, the eater yeah so this uh sentence says legend claimed it had been built on the bones of the god of truth so that it would keep the vendors and would-be thieves honest now this is going to come up later again about this area this shadow uh-huh. market we're just going to mention that really quick and move on okay so going Fine. to chapter 15 is officially when Dorian's birthday slash Adian's rescue starts, but really we're going to talk about chapters 16 and 17. So the most important thing, and I'm going to break this down because I was very... And 18, thank you. The most important thing, I'm going to break this down very simply because I was very confused on what occurred. So... please. Okay, so I'm going to explain this. So right right before we get into into Adian's rescue. Yeah, yeah. Aelin figures out that the king knows how to use word marks mm. and is missing and she does not have the walking dead and she's like how am I going to get that and Kale had Kale took it with him yes and he ran from the palace and grabbed Fleetfoot so he has it and he gives it to her and she utilizes it okay no yes. thank you that was very important thank you yeah okay welcome. so Chapter 16, I also want to bring, I'm going to get sappy for like two seconds about this. So chapter 16, the most important thing to note here is first it starts in Dorian's point of view. This is when we learn how useless Queen Georgina is. I've already ranted about that. So Madame Florine, who is the instructor, she is the dance instructor. So some important things to note about her. Number one, Aelin was trained by her at a young age because Arabin paid for the for the dance classes. And he was trained. She, he felt that it was necessary for her to learn a little bit of dance because it could help her be an assassin. Then when she left the keep, she kept the classes going. But Madame Florine never accepted money from her because she felt like, I think it was an act of kindness, if I'm going to be honest. So Arabin set up, he, he, I got to give him credit, which I don't like to do, but Arabin, he's the one that made the connection for this moment so that Aelin could work with Madame Florine to enter the glass castle. So what he did and what they did together was Madame Florine changed a bit of her routine. So all of the dancers are in black. Aelin is covered in word marks. All of the dancers also have some sort of patterny type stuff on. And then they came through a specific entrance. Now, this is where Kale's men were specifically set up, was to be at this entrance. And Aelin knew that there was going to be some sort of word mark on the floor that would indicate when she crossed the entrance. So what she did was she pretended to be a understudy for the ballet. And when they got close to where... Aelin saw the word mark. She started crying and pretended like one of the dancers bumped into her and and hurt her. And Madame Florine like consoled her and basically in that moment demanded that they have water. And so the guards went and grabbed water and Aelin spilled the water over the word mark and walked across. So that is the basic gist of what occurred. The other thing I want to point out before we move on from this part of the of part one of saving Adian is 
Madame Florine and Aylin have a really interesting conversation about dance. And Madame Florine admits to Aylin that she knows she's Aylin Galathinius. Basically, she pieced it together and says to Aylin that the instructor, the conductor, and the musicians were her friends, and that artists are her friends. And when Aylin eventually frees Otterlin, she will come and bring theater and arts to Terrison. Avery and I both get really emotional about this because we are both we love the arts we're both theater kids I you know was a vocalist you you did theater in general right but I was also a dancer Avery was a dancer so Avery connects to the dance side I connect more to the the vocal side of things and I mean the arts I I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that it at some point in our lives have saved us and oh yeah more more times than I can count yes and so hearing this passage and I think what Sarah does so beautifully in Throne of Glass is explain how important music is she does she explains it also with Bryce I think in in Crescent City that's not a huge spoiler it is a huge part and obviously Feyre is a different form of art so it is Mm -hmm. it is a huge part of all these stories but the arts are just predominant in everything that she writes because i think she has a vested interest in them anyway yeah i would agree but this is really important for kingdom of ash okay moving on (laughs) because i I cry every time i read i read this and know what happens in kingdom of Ash. yeah okay so that is chapter 16 going to chapter 17 there is so now the dancers are on the stage adian by the way in my eyes he was like off to the side but near the dancers like he okay he was on right he was like on like a side stage you reread this i have yet to reread this so you oh, okay, are okay. you are the you are the sherpa here okay <laughs> so i think and i can reread this to confirm but adian is like on a little like stage of his he's own he's on a stage i yes. do know and that and he's yes. chained he's chained to the floor uh-huh. and uh-huh. the sword of warinth is in front of him but he can't reach uh-huh. it uh-huh. and at this point I, I don't think he's on the same stage that the dancers were. I think it was like a stage off to the side. But he can see the dancers. Adian can see them. And he notices. So now we're switching to Adian's point of view. And Adian notices there's a dancer in the back. And when the dancers all spin, there is this black powder that, that covers the stage. And that is Aelin's cue to get off the stage. So Aelin then, while that black powder spreads, which was supposed to be this like magical, mystical moment on, you know, as a performance, she slips behind, puts on a like a cape with a hood type of a situation. I don't know. what. Yeah, I guess that's what you describe it. And is able to disguise herself as a man, specifically Cormac, and last name, not first name. Just want to make sure I clarify that. Cormac is in the last name. Okay. Uh Human Cormac. Anyways, moving on. So Human, human Cormac. No relation to the other. So human Cormac, because she's far enough away from other people. So people think that is Cormac. She waves, transforms herself to this male, and then comes around the corner and saves Adia and and is and is in the front. And at that point, Jig is up, but it's too late for anyone to react. So Aelin was able to convince. And all of this is important because the reason Aelin transformed herself into Cormac is because the carriage that later on that Adian gets into with Lysandra is Cormac's carriage. So Lysandra was in on this. 
And they did this to once again destroy because Arabin was in cahoots with Cormac as a business venture. And so it was a double win for them to get into Cormac's carriage because it destroys his business reputation and Cormac flees the city. Yes. That, okay. Can I just tell you, every time I read this, I'm like, how did Sarah do this? It hurts my head. Yes. So I kind of, that's that's the, the gist of rescuing Aelin. Now there was a flaw in the plan, which was the fact that Arabin had tipped off Kale in saying that there was a high probability that Aelin would kill Dorian. So the flaw in the plan was Nezrin dad was baking for this event and Nezrin was hiding in the back. And when it became clear that Aelin was gunning for Dorian, snuck out and aimed her bow and arrow at Aelin to indicate she couldn't kill Dorian. This is then when Dorian popped up and made the fun little moment with Aelin. So, and then he's the, the worst. Yep. And then we get the Dorian moment. The only thing I want to bring up with this is Aelin wanted to kill him, but her love for Dorian, I don't think there's any other way to explain it, Yeah, would not let her do it. And she later regrets the decision. And the next chapter of Dorian's point of view, he even says he wishes she just had killed him. Yeah. The other important thing to bring up when it comes to Adian's rescue is once they were in the carriages, they basically shoved Adian on the floor and he's like yeah. badly injured. And Lysandra had an outfit ready for Aelin in the carriage to make Aelin look like a courtesan. So then when the guards, the Rifthold guards came to like basically do like a check, a search, they both like acted like they were on their way to an appointment. And so the guards were so flustered, they just let them go. Yeah. That is Adian's rescue. Because Lysandra is a badass. Lysandra, and I don't think we brought it up, but I think Yep. By this point, Lysandra had the line about you and I are both, what is it? It's something like you and I are both just. I don't, I don't remember it's, it, it's, but uh, yeah. It's the indication that she's a shapeshifter. But Oh, here it is. Okay. I got it. <laughs> what chapter is it? It's 13. So it's please, Lysandra said, waving a manicured hand. You and I are nothing but wild beasts wearing human skins. It's like a fun little one. So Lysandra, badass. We love her. She's a queen. At this point, Aelin and her are besties. They're on their way to becoming besties, I should say. And then at the her. and then so then when we get to chapter 19 is when Lysandra finds out that she's Aelin. Oh, yeah. That was all I wanted to say. Was just that yeah. that Kale is at the apartment when they arrive and mm -hmm. they put Adian in one of the rooms and they put him in the guest room so he can like heal up. Yeah. Lysandra is patching Adian up, already indicates that she kind of thinks Adian's hot. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And Kale and her argue yeah. in the living room. And my favorite thing is when Kale says, don't talk to me like you're my queen. And she goes, no, I'm not your queen, but you're going to have to decide soon who you serve because the Dorian you knew is gone forever and Otterland's future does not depend on him anymore. So then Lysandra walks out and she's like, mm, queen. And Aelin basically is like, shit. <laughs> There's no other way to describe that moment. It's literally, she's like, anytime Lysandra like walks into a room and just like owns it for like half a second. Yes. And like it throws Aelin off. Like it's the same thing like when she walks in in 38 and she just like waltzes in and Rowan's like, well, hi to you too. And Adian's like, how do you keep doing that? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, okay. I'm going to skip quite a few chapters and go right to 23. 
Okay. 23 is Adian and Aylin's reunion. Reunited and it feels so good. I love that. I love that. Good pick. This is one of my favorite. I have a lot of favorite chapters in Queen of Shadows and this is one of them. Whenever I now it probably surprises no one. Queen of Shadows, I will go back and reread the most. And I pretty much go straight from Adian's rescue to this chapter, then to Rowan's reunion. And this is one of my favorite chapters because territorial is, fay bullshit. It is so <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> it is so cute to see. Yeah. And I'm gonna bring it up again. This is why I love Rune. Because I saw how she writes Adian in this moment. And it is the same vibe. Yeah. I think what is so amazing is Aelin is the type of character that she doesn't need anyone in her life. Like, she's so strong and so independent. Having people around her, like Adian, like Lysandra, like Rowan, are so key to who she is. And Adian is the first check and balance for her. Yeah. It's just a really sweet moment. And I think what's also really, well, first off, I love the fact that within two seconds of talking to each other, Adian immediately is like, I'm going to kill Kale for not. And she's like, here we go. Territorial bullshit. Yeah. She's like, I'm not dealing with this. Yeah. And then your stuff out, my guy. And I love how they interact with each other. Like they say, you're a little taller than I imagined, but no one's perfect. There's even this, one of my favorite lines is when Aelin then gets into the bed with Adian and they cuddle for a second, which is so sweet. And Adian says he would have known her even if he were blind, even if there was another scent intertwined with hers. Staggeringly powerful and ancient and male. Interesting. Interesting. Mm, I don't know what that smells like. Uh Pine and snow. Pine Pine and snow. snow. It is just a really sweet moment. And then I also love that he tries to give her the sword of warrant and she says no he it's his yeah. now that's later though isn't it is it yes yeah, later oh okay sorry i skipped around then so chapter 23 the only important thing to note after this really cute moment with adian is she officially goes into the pits as ansel yeah which we love we do love and then you know she she fights in the pits as ansel and there's a whole bunch of craziness that occurs yeah, I mean, we don't really need to get into it. The only thing no. we should probably point out is the fact that Lysandra is there with Arabin watching yes. Aelin fight in the pits, and she is actively avoiding the Valg commanders. Yes, and the other thing to point out is Arabin does bring up that the dancers did safely make it to the docks and escape. Yay! Good. So that was the, it's like, that's just an important piece, but I agree what I think is so interesting, and I think you would agree with me, is Lysandra and Aelin and how they interact around Arabin because they are clearly getting closer. But it would be detrimental to both of them if they revealed how close they actually were now. Yeah. So then uh, twenty six, because that's where that's where Adian talks about Prince Rowan. Prince Rowan. Prince Rowan. <laughs> <laughs> I. <laughs> Can I tell you, one of my favorite, I forget who was the first person to point this out to me, but I think it's hysterical. Anytime anyone brings up Rowan, meets yeah. Rowan for the first time, they yeah. comment on how attractive he is and how great he is. 
that's because he's attractive and he's awesome yeah sarah you don't need to tell me he's the love interest i already know <laughs> yeah we we already been knew the second they were karen am come on mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but i we love... were like oh okay this is where this is going got yeah. it and i think the best line is uh the line where it says rowan was the most powerful full-blooded fae male alive and his scent was all over her and she had no idea she had no idea, people. Because Adian, I think, is well, Adian is more Faye than, than Aelin. And yeah. so he can sense not it. Hard, not hard to be. Not hard to be. Yeah. <laughs> he can sense it. And so chapter 26 has a lot of really interesting information about the amulet, freeing magic, the shadow. Yeah. So th- there's quite a bit. But the biggest thing to note is that she lies to adian about yeah. blood oath and then she says does she lie or does she just not no, no, avoid no. the conversation she, completely okay but she straight up says that she lied because she says lying to adian about the blood oath was awful she would tell him she would find a way to tell him when things were less new yeah and it's... and then and then she doesn't get a chance to tell him no because so the next chapter is what is so adian keeps curing I, Adian's cabin fever. Uh-huh. The other interesting thing is basically every chapter to this point, Adian has been like, Can I get out? Can I get out? Yeah. And Adian and Adian's is... like, No. So this is the one where they have a conversation about the sword of Orinth. But before we do that, okay, I'm sorry. We meet the word hound. Yes. Yes. <laughs> the word hound. The word hound, which Sarah and I, um, just so everybody is fully aware, Sarah and I had to fight over all of our favorite parts of queen of shadows mm-hmm. there was a there was a lot of fighting over some of the rowan and aelin stuff i acquiesced on most of it but sometimes we had certain circumstances where like in chapter 27 i did the front half and she did the back <laughs> yeah i wasn't giving this one up you can know you, i did give up other i gave up almond oil you did you did well you gave up the reveal of almond oil but you got the entire dinner and that's really all you wanted anyway it's all i wanted the <laughs> only thing i want to say about the word hounds and again we're not talking crossovers this is not a huge crossover this is a theory you and i think the word hounds are connected to human city well yes also i think it's incredibly interesting that we find out that it is the we'll get into it with the witches but it is the product of what is happening in morath Yep. 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 Okay. Cool. We'll um, get into that in a minute yeah. because um there hasn't been a witch in Akatar in years. Yep, yep. Uh yep. Thousands so, and tens okay. and thousands of years. This is my favorite moment. <laughs> so okay. I have to explain. <laughs> I wait, before, said, I just need to do it once. Who is that? Adian smiled. Rowan. <laughs> you got that. Just kidding. <laughs> I swear to God that this is a true story and I have to take a minute to share it. I've shared it a few times, but I'm just going to put this like permanently on the record. It needs needs to be permanently on the record. I'm ready for it. When I first read Throne of Glass, I was not a huge Rowan fan. Like I really wasn't. And like when I got all the way to this point, I was not, I was like, yeah, he's great. I can confirm she said it to me multiple times. Yeah, I just like, he was fine. You know, it really wasn't until the beginning half of Queen of Shadows where he was gone that I was like, wow, I miss this guy. Like he's not in the book. And I am not exaggerating when I say that I got to this part and they were walking in the, in this alley and I put the book down. Keep in mind, I was spoiler free, which 
I know Avery can, I swear on Rowan's life, I was spoiler free. Oh God, here we go again. Which I also need to explain whenever I say I swear on Rowan's life, that means I'm not trolling. It means like I'm being 100% honest. 100% honest because she would never endanger her man that way. No. But she also toes the line when using it. So you got to really listen to what she's saying. But I swear on Rowan's life, I did not split. The only time I ever looked up spoilers for Throne of Glass was when I got to Empire of Storms and I read the end. And I just needed to know what chapter everything was going to be fine in Kingdom of Ash, but I didn't spoil anything else. Okay. I looked, the, I, I had to look up the same thing because yeah, I yes. needed to know. So I didn't, I swear to God, I did not spoil anything. Okay. I got to this point in Queen of Shadows and I am not exaggerating when I tell you, I was like, I think I have a pine candle. Cause at this time I had like one pine candle and that was it. So I, and it was, it was actually this time of the year, it was October. So I went into the Christmas closet which is a whole other story. And I found a pine candle and I lit it and Rowan appeared on the next page. (laughs) I am not exaggerating. This is a true story. I summoned Rowan. I summoned Rowan. She summoned Rowan. And I think that may have started my love for him. (laughs) I've got to be totally honest. I also had a very weird moment with Reese in Mist and Fury that we can get into when we read Mist and Fury. But we'll have to save that for sure. We're going to save that because that's also a creepy story. So in some weird like psychological thing, I had summoned Rowan in this moment. And yes, for anyone wondering, I have reread chapter 28, which is the official reunion multiple times. So same. I mean, if you listen, y'all, if you reread Queen of Shadows and what you if you are rereading, but you're just rereading for pleasure and not for like an actual reread and you don't immediately read Lysandra's entrance and then Adian's rescue and then skip to this chapter, you're wrong. Yeah, you're totally wrong. So (laughs) sorry, loves, you're wrong. So I mean, we're not talking about the witches right now, but obviously all of the things with the witches, it's yeah yeah okay okay so i could recite this chapter word for word but i'm just gonna do my favorite points and talk about Uh, it of course you are so (laughs) okay so rowan and aelin reunite they hug which by the way this is a really good time to bring up the fact that charlie how do you say his last name is it bauer the artist yes i think it's bauer if someone can find me and i pray to god so the original piece of art that he drew she had red hair in this drawing of of it's the very famous one of them hugging and it is this scene and she had red hair when the kingdom of ash was published and i don't remember which edition it is she has blonde hair because from what i've heard they didn't want to confuse fans so they changed her hair to blonde which i think is you know what i'm sorry bullshit but anyway they clearly don't know sarah j mass's fans we were all like screaming about it not being correct yes so in the kingdom of ash book it's blonde if someone can find me the redheaded version, I would get that blown up and put in my office in a heartbeat. I mean, dead serious is my favorite piece of art. I love it so much. Um, so this is just my plea. If someone can find it, thank you so much. Anyways, she's got red hair in this moment. It's the most important thing to me. So they're hugging. They're having a sweet moment. She starts crying. Rowan's like, why are you crying? And she's like, because you smell awful. A clear deflection, but also amazing. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Keep in mind that Adian and Nezrin are off in the corner watching this whole thing, basically going WTF. But Adian also is like, <laughs> can I get his autograph? So they all walk back to Aelin's apartment. Nezrin's like, 
peace and leaves because she's like this is <laughs> this don't need to be here anymore not um, for me already some sort of territorialness going on between Adian and rowan but we're gonna let that go get to the apartment aelin says to Adian, rowan meet Adian. Adian meet rowan his princeliness needs to have a bath we'll be back takes him to her room closes the door and then rowan and i you know what i just find this so sexy he's like take off your hood and she's like I'll do it if you do it. And so they both take off their hoods. And this is when we find out that Sarah J. Mass is a horrible human being because she cut Rowan's hair. I'm just going to let you sit with that for a minute. I'm just being ridiculous statement you've ever made. I, it bothers me. She cuts every male's hair. That's obnoxious and really annoying. I'm sorry. She, she cuts Hunt's hair. She leaves Hunt's hair long-ish. It's not as long as it was, but I she don't care. Trim, she trims it. I don't care. She leaves. She leaves Cassian's hair alone. Cassian's hair is just for fine. now. For now, God don't knows you, what will happen. We're don't gonna, you? I almost listen. said something. I almost said something. <laughs> listen. <laughs> okay. First of all, Sarah, not gonna say anything. Sarah, you mess with my man's man bun. And we're going to have you words. and I both love Cassian. Okay. If, if she cuts his hair off, I'm going to be I'm mad. done. I'm so mad. Listen, but she cut Rowan's beautiful, luscious, silver white locks. Listen, do I like men typically with long hair? Okay, ready? No. Sarah and I are the same person in a different font. And our yeah. friend Izzy said it first. Well, and so. also like we keep finding out random things about each other. And we're like, the hell? Then I'm jump- okay. I'm gonna jump back now to the fact that it drives me up a wall that Sarah <laughs> J. Mass has cut every man's hair except for Reese, who already had short hair. Yeah, every every single one of them. She hasn't messed with Azriel's hair <laughs> yet. Yes. Listen, it's listen. like it's like Sarah goes, "Oh, love it." She hasn't. She hasn't, she hasn't messed with Rune's hair yet. Yet. That's yet. a hard. That's a hard yet. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a. You want to put some money on that one yet? Yet? I've already put any uh, any and everything I am willing to put on that bet, and you know exactly what that means, ma'am. I was gonna say we can't talk about it on this. We but. can't talk about it on this, but you know exactly what that bet means, y'all. You'll find out later, because she's gonna gloat about it on the internet when she eventually gets to to do that part of her bet. Because I'm wrong and I'm going to be mad about it. No, but you were very specific in how you were. I was. I was because I have learned from my, my Faye books to be specific. I just want to go back. Okay. Hold on. Just want to go back to the fact that every, this is my other little gripe about Rowan's hair being cut. There is not enough fan art of him with long hair. Okay. Can we also just know that we've been doing this for an hour and we haven't even made it almond oil yet i know that but we're getting closer (laughs) to it it's fine there's not enough fan art of my man with long hair i like my dust jacket with him with long hair it's nice but there's just not enough like i just want long-haired rowan he is he i this is another petition by sarah really quickly i just listen i love long-haired rowan we both love long-haired Rowan. You okay? and Aelin. Let's be clear. Her and Aelin, both, not Avery, Aelin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Me and me and Aelin are big, big stands of long-haired Rowan. In Avery fact, I- likes short-haired Rowan. Okay. Well, whatever. In Avery fact- likes battle-ready lo- Rowan. 
Mm, Mm, same. In fact, I like Longhair and Rowan so much that I am convinced canonically that when this series ended, Ayla made him grow it out. same. <laughs> we'll see. my personal opinion so anyways they going back to this chapter after Woo! he reveals he got his hair cut off and she shows his her red hair and he makes Bird a nasty bath time. yep he makes a nasty comment he gets a lovely little bird bath <laughs> <laughs> the, most <interesting> thing, <laughs> the most interesting You're welcome. thing the most interesting thing <laughs> Just laughing. what you what you guys don't know is that in the notes she has titled this section birdbath time and we have these little moments where we get to go in and comment on each other's things and we have different fonts and colors and so mine's orange because of Akasif. I hate the color orange, but it's mine because of Akasif. And so I just put next to it, Jesus Christ, Sarah. <laughs> she lost her mind over it. yeah so the most interesting thing about the bath and and a lot of people bring this up but i do think it is worth bringing up again The is lavender the fact that soap. it is the lavender soap The and lavender soap. yes and i have gotten lavender soap sent to me <laughs> because of this like multiple Oh, times I don't think you know this, but like the scent I use and like my lotion and my is lavender body wash and everything is lavender. Yeah. you know what is funny the scent i use is lemon And I've used it for years. That's wild. Isn't that I've weird? used lavender for very, a very, very long time. Yeah. Use eucalyptus or lemon. So um, Yeah, or I, citrus I, scents. <laughs> you and I are the same This fucking is person no, no, and no, I hate it. no, 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 Avery. This isn't I, us being the same person. This is called mental illness because you and I both use calming scents to bathe ourselves in. yeah, that's true. That's Yeah. true. Yeah. There we go. I, so I use, so I use peppermint and eucalyptus Yes. all the time. And then like, if I'm going for like a scent scent, it's either lavender or it's like a mango grapefruit orange scent. Mine is a lemon. Hi, we <laughs> um happy world mental health day, by the Happy way. World Mental Health Day. <laughs> <laughs> yes. As we sit here and are climb the mountains. Both of us are, by the way, both of us are wearing the Nesta sweatshirts. Like <laughs> I, Avery had it on first and then I turned the camera on and, and she was like, are you wearing Nesta? And I was like, yeah, because <laughs> my, I've worn my Aylin one for like two weeks now. So, so anyways, the interesting, I mean, well, it's very obvious. She lets Rowan use the lavender soap because, and it is a callback to the fact that she never lets Sam use the lavender soap. Which is very sad. It's very sad. The other Because thing I just, he smelled like cheap soap when he died. yes, he did. The other thing I want to read is my favorite lines from this. One of them being washing his hair was intimate, a privilege she doubted he never allowed, he ever allowed many people, something she'd never done for anyone else. But the lines had always been blurred for them and neither of them particularly cared. They're <laughs> so cute. I love them. Yes. And then after Rowan gets out of the bath, he, he doesn't fit into any of Sam's clothes. And so Well, she except just, for the pants. He does. fits in They're the pants. short. They're short on him. Yeah, he can wear the pants. He can't He can. wear anything Yes. else. Yes. So that's what he's wearing. And then he goes into Aylin's closet and you would expect Rowan to be like the hell, like all these dresses, but he genuinely is like into it. And he points out a black dress, a black velvet gown with a dragon on A the gold back. dragon on the And he says to her, he likes this one best and someday he wants to see her wear it. Yeah, that's important.
That's important. So there's a cute moment where she says, I missed you. And he says, we weren't apart for that long. And she goes, I'm not allowed to miss you. And he said, I told you once that the people you cared about were weapons to be used against you. Missing me was a foolish distraction. And she goes, you're a real charmer. You know that? Well, Mm -hmm. it's fine. The deleted scene. The other important thing I want to bring up is the fact that in 28 and 29, the deleted scene of air fire is mentioned. And this is usually when people have questions about it because it's very clearly mentioned in 28. It is brought up because that is how Aylin got the name fire breathing bitch queen. And then in 29, it is brought up in regards to Rowan's ex. So moving on, Rowan now is leaves Aylin's room and formally meets Adian. And one of the first thing Rowan does is sniffs and then says, who sired you? And Adian goes, does it matter? And he goes, do you know? And he goes, my mother never told me or anyone. I guess you have an idea. And Rowan says, doesn't he look familiar to you? And Aylin goes, yeah, he looks like me. And Rowan goes, yes, but, and he sighs. He goes, you met his father a few weeks ago, Gabriel. Rowan, not subtle just word vomit and then they have a very interesting conversation about the fact like what does this mean does this mean Maeve would have some sort of control over Adian because of Gabriel they also realize that this is why Adian's mother kept it so hush hush to hide it from Maeve there's all these different things and it leads into the fact that during this entire conversation Rowan and Adian are basically having a pissing contest over Aelin and Rowan lets it slip that he says I'll have to adjust to this new dynamic I'm blood sworn to you which means several things one of which I don't particularly care of questioning of others even if it's your cousin and Adian loses it yeah and rightfully so rightfully so i would agree and aelin's reasoning behind it i also respect because aelin's like at that point in my you know in this moment it was a very quick decision and i didn't know where you stood in all of this well that and additionally like think about i mean the connection that she and rowan have like yeah even just even just the karen am like yes he was he was going to be her blood sworn regardless. Yes. Yes. And so I think it it was, I know it's tough for Adian because in Terrison there's only one, but Aelin doesn't have those values. She does, you know, she doesn't, she, she doesn't care about that. No. She, and she, she wants to build her own court. Yeah. Okay. Moving on to I chapter like, 29. I just, can we just like, before we move on to chapter 29, just relish in the moment where like Adian says like really nasty things. <laughs> And Rowan loses his mind and jumps out of the chair. And she's just like, Shh. and then like, he like sits down. <laughs> yes. And yes. Adrian's just like, yes, yes. Because there are multiple moments in this series. Yes. This is one. And then another one is so in Tower good. of Dawn where people are like, holy crap. Aelin Galathinius, 18 year old Aelin Galathinius has the most powerful fae warrior wrapped around her finger rowan whitethorn whitethorn <laughs> like we gotta we gotta put the emphasis on the h there on whitethorn. the whitethorn <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's pretty wild honestly yeah. so big, well, and big then, deal and then to think later about how many she has wrapped around her tiny little finger oh that is one of my favorite moments in kingdom of ash is when it's like to me it's literally it mm-hmm. so like in throne of glass when mm-hmm. dorian goes to rifthold and you're like make way like that yeah yeah it is the same effect but in a small tent in kingdom okay. of ash. so my so one of my favorite things and what a lot of people on the podcast probably don't 
really know is that I am an events manager. And so I, there are instances in my job where somebody will choose to uh, be less than sober. That's, I think, the nicest way to put it. And they have to be escorted off of the property. Usually in those instances, I'm the one who has to make the call, which means that I have to get the police officers to walk with me. And so there are often moments in my job where I am walking and there are four police officers in full, like, bulletproof vest. I believe that. (laughs) Carrying and they are walking behind me and I'm like flanked and I have never felt more like Aileen Galathinius than when that <laughs> happens. Because yeah. I'm just like, yeah, whoa. Yeah, no, for real. Because, I mean, because they are, I mean, all of these men are incredible guys that I work with and are all very genuine people, yeah. but like they're scary when they want to be. Yes. And like, that's exactly like, she's scary in her own right, which I kind of feel like I can be sometimes, but like put them behind her and she's terrifying. Yeah. You don't want to mess with her. And, and mm-hmm. as we'll get into it in King of Ash. There, because my, a favorite, lot to unpack. my favorite thing is like walking up to the drunk guy and watching him like run away. I'm yes. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. And He's and like, they, oh no. I, yeah. There's some really amazing visuals in Kingdom of Ash when it comes to yeah. Aelin and her and her men. Oh yeah. And it's just like everyone's like, oh god. Mm-hmm. Okay, this isn't what we thought, and that's mm-hmm. kind of the best. And I think we get a taste of it right now with Adian and Rowan. And yeah. Adian is like, if your dad could see you right now, he would yeah have a heart attack. Going to chapter twenty nine. Yes. It starts in Rowan's point of view and Rowan Which is just the best. It is just the best. And Rowan admits that he does miss Aelin, but he doesn't necessarily he does. say it to her in this moment. It's inner monologue. We also relearn that he's been having nightmares since she left and he nearly vomited and flung himself out. Lyra screaming in his ears, the memory sent a cold licking down his spine but that was burned away by the queen before him. So he is having intense want, nightmares. Just want to hug him. Oh yeah, all the time. And then I'm going to read my favorite quote because this is the quote that's actually on the sweatshirt for Aelin from a World Mental Health Day. Something that I think, and to get sappy for a hot second, Aelin, Avery knows firsthand how much of a perfectionist I am. Avery and I have done podcast recordings that have gone almost an hour and I will pause it and say we're restarting the entire thing because I don't like the vibe or whatever. I don't think it's, you know, looks good for both of us for whatever reason. I have been in live sessions where that has happened. I have. I would just like for you guys to know that I love and accept this about her and like it's like it's never like I get mad. I'm just like, all right, we're starting over. Here we go. Yeah. And the court has been in conversations with me where I'm like, we're not doing that. I don't like that. I don't, it doesn't feel fully fleshed out. Like I genuinely have expectations for the realm and me and everything I do. Yeah. And I mean, I've had some tough times in the past year, I would say that is yeah, very personal, tough things that have occurred mm-hmm. in my life. And I mean, I have severe anxiety and something that's really unique about my anxiety is when it comes to things that most people can, most people get upset about are the things that I like have no problem with, Mm -hmm. but little things like things throughout my day are the things that I get really upset about. When I read this quote from Rowan and ironically it's from Rowan and it is a, the the premise is Aelin doesn't feel like there's a, there's a right decision. 
And no matter what she does, everything is wrong. And Rowan says, you will make mistakes. You will make decisions. And sometimes you will regret those choices. Sometimes there won't be a right choice, just the best of several bad options. I don't need to tell you that you can do this. You know, you can, I wouldn't have sworn the oath to you if I didn't think you could. And when I am having intense anxiety attacks, or I feel like maybe I shouldn't go live in an hour or whatever, I will read that quote because Sometimes I just need to hear that everything doesn't need to be perfect. Yeah. So and it doesn't have to be. No, but it's hard for me. <laughs> I know. You let, you let, you've let go of a lot. I have. I have. I've also put a lot on my plate, but I think it's an important quote for people like me. And I know I'm not the only one out there in this world. And Gosh, I know I just wanted to take a minute and read that quote because it's, well, yeah, it's the reason it's, important. it's on the sweatshirt. It's the reason it's on the sweatshirt. Yeah. There, I mean, I was, I was pretty, I don't know if I was fully honest about it, but I could say it now, like very early this year, I was laid off of my job and I read the, I read that quote the day it happened. It was, it wasn't anything that I did that caused that. It was just a company structural change at the time. Mm -hmm. And that was the quote I read that kind of helped re-guide, you know, guide me. And it was the best thing that ever happened to me because I love my job right now. So like, yeah. But it is, it's an important one when you're in those situations and there is no good choice. So I'm going to dive yeah. about it. That's okay. We're going to get super sappy about my depression when we talk about Nesta. So you're Oh fine. yeah. You and I both are going to get sappy about Nesta for different yeah. reasons. That's going to be a tough time. Yeah. The other thing when it comes to Rowan is the fact that he basically, Rowan in Queen of Shadows. So yeah, he knows. He- he knows um, it's one of those it's one of that sound on tiktok that's like he knows he knows he knows and, and i know he knows yeah so when you read the deleted scene of air fire which again highly recommend you do not read that until you finish empire storms actually don't even touch it. Read it actually do not even touch it until you read empire storms because you find that's out why it's in the empire of storms edition friend. yes when you read it you you find out something at the end of empire storms that is somewhat hinted but not really throughout the series and when you when you read air of fire or when you read the deleted scene of air of fire you realize rowan has always known but hasn't he's been admitted it yeah he's been too afraid to admit it and there is a moment after he says that to aelin and it is another clear indication that he knows because he says he sometimes heard Maeve's voice over the crack of the whip, cunning and cold, not for all the world, Aelin, but what about for Prince Rowan? Me. And he doesn't think about it. He doesn't want to overthink about the fact that she would have given up the word keys for him. And she sure as not would have. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we're just going to move on. And then <laughs> the other thing, too, is Aelin this entire time is like, uh, why are you here? And so Rowan finally admits, admits the reason he's here is because Lorcan. I did the notes for this chapter, and I want to make it very clear that I made sure to include multiple quotes about Lorcan, even though I hate him. Listen, listeners need to know mm-hmm. is that Sarah does not like Lorcan, but Avery oh. does. And so Sarah and Avery go toe-to-toe often over that male. Yep. And there there are very specific reasons that Sarah does not like him. And I can't say it. And we can't talk about it. And there are very specific reasons that Avery likes him Mm -hmm. and can get past the thing that Sarah cannot get past. 
And that is all we can say about that. As I am taking a sip of my tea in my Taurus coffee mug. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm an Aquarius, but I'm a Cancer moon and rising. I'm more moody than you are. I can be stubborn when I want to be, but that's not uh-huh. my predominant trait. Okay. All right. It's um, not my predominant trait. I'll admit it. You out stubborn me 90% of the time. Yeah, I know that. I'm, I'm fully yeah. aware. I work on it. I do my best. <laughs> I tell you when it's too much. And yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm. I'm not. I'm not afraid of Sarah. <laughs> no, there are plenty of other people in this universe who are. <laughs> the okay. there's a few things I want to bring up when it comes to chapter twenty nine. Still, so number one, after the Lorcan conversation, we get a callback to chapter seven when <laughs> when Gail brings up that Aelin's a monster, and you can tell it's clearly bothering Aelin because she brings it up to Rowan, and she says, do you think? And he said, never. And he says, if you're a monster, I'm a monster, which is essentially the notebook line. If you're a bird, I'm a bird. Yeah, except also for it would have been better if she had used bird. Yeah, whatever. And then we get my favorite conversation, which is Rowan's sleeping arrangements. <laughs> so I love Ridiculous. the fact that Rowan's like, where am I sleeping? And Aelin's like, uh, she indicates to her room. She's like there. And he's like, no, we can't do that. And she's like, explain. And he basically says that because she is a queen of this realm, it is inappropriate for him to be sleeping in the same bed as her. She's like, that's absolutely asinine. You are sleeping in the bed. You did the entire time we were in Mistward. Why would we stop this? And basically Rowan loses the fight and Aelin ends it with saying, this is one of the stupid fights we've ever had. Thanks to your idiocy. I might add. And I just think about the fact that in a few years' time, I guarantee you this conversation was brought up between Aelin and Aelin Aelin and Rowan multiple times. And then Aelin doubles down and she's like, "Mm, so you don't want to sleep in the bed with me and because you're worried that something's going to happen? Well, buddy, boo, I got a surprise for you because we in my closet now. And she puts on a pink nightgown. Now I want to make sure because... I want to quickly say that I am usually 99% of the time right whenever it comes to Rowan and Aylin stuff. This is one of the times I was wrong. I thought it was a blue nightgown. She wears a blue robe with a pink nightgown. And Avery pointed that out to me that I was wrong. So look, I said it for the world. I was wrong. I mean, you didn't have to do that. We already did it on Discord, but like, okay, I'll take yeah, it. Yeah, I'm just letting <laughs> you know. See, I can admit when I'm wrong. It's a, it's a yeah. tourist trait that's not common, but I can do it. You can do it. It's 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 your water sign. Yes. So uh, she comes out in a pink nightgown and Rowan says there's no bottom part. And she goes, it's starting to get so hot. I hate sweating when I sleep. Plus, you're practically a furnace. So it's either this or I sleep naked. You can sleep in the bathtub if you have a problem with it. I also find it extremely ironic that Rowan is hot in the bed. Wouldn't he, shouldn't he be cold? Yeah, but you and I had this discussion. We love the idea that like she's always cold, even though she burns hot and he's always hot, even though he burns cold. And this, yes. So anyway, so they get into the bed. She gets into the bed with him. Rowan's pretty much stiff, like he did, (laughs) pun not intended. And he, she kind of like lays on her back and, and Rowan says, I need to fill in a few more spaces. And she goes, what? He goes, you're a tattoo. And Aylin's like, of course he would that would be the topic of conversation, not my nightgown. Then he says, I, my encounters with other females usually didn't involve parading around in nightgowns. What clothes did they involve? He said, usually none at all. And she said, having the utter delight of meeting Ramel this spring, I have a hard time believing she didn't subject you to clothing parades. And he says, we're not talking about this. And then it literally says, Aylin one, Rowan zero. Again, air fire deleted scene. Yeah. 
Okay. And then she says, so curious about my negligees, Prince. What would others say? Maybe you should issue a decree to clarify. And then she says, is there any specific color you'd like me to wear if I'm going to scandalize you? I should at least do it in something you like. And then Rowan says, gold, not yellow, real metallic gold. And she goes, you're out of luck. I would never own something so ostentatious. And then uh, we get one of my favorite things. And this is when I knew that I, oh, we didn't put it in the notes, but this is when I knew I would love actually hunt Athlor. There is a line at the very end of this chapter where Rowan says he was in so much trouble Mm -hmm. because Aelin is clearly teasing him with these little nightgowns. It is the same line that is in House of Earth and Blood when it comes to Hunt and Bryce. And I died because it is the smallest little nod to it and it's just makes me so happy so we're going now to chapter 33 which is when adian and rowan trained Mm -hmm. and the only thing i'm going to bring up is the fact that adian and rowan are training and aelin's like are you going to fawn over him and he's like prince rowan doesn't seem like the type that wants like you know fans and they bring up the fact that rowan did actually hurt someone with a table leg Mm-hmm. and we know of another fae that did the same thing we do she's another redheaded fae in a modern series yeah. anyways. anyways so going on to chapter 34 uh, what's ironic is i didn't put we i haven't done the notes for this yet but i could recite yeah. this chapter two things i want to point out number one this chapter starts with rowan and aelin walking around rifthold and aelin makes a funny comment about they walk by a flower carton and Ayla makes a funny comment about like, you know, you should buy me some flowers. And she realizes in that moment how inappropriate that is because like Lyra was a flower market owner. Yeah. And they both admit to each other that they didn't deserve the people they loved. And so Ayla then says, I have a surprise for you and takes him to the theater. Yeah. Okay, we can't talk about it because you'll both we'll both cry and then it will be a problem because it we have got to end this soon. I know and we okay. haven't even talked about the witches yet. Okay, so they go to the theater and Aelin plays the piano and Rowan cries and he asks her to play it again, which is important for Kingdom of Ash. So thirty six. <laughs> I just need to talk about this for like a half a second. Okay, okay. So Aelin. Using a trick that Lysandra showed her, tricks Lorcan into following her into a sewer where she has <laughs> led him to kill three Valg soldiers by her estimate and uh, a word hound. And he mm-hmm. says, this is my favorite quote from the entire thing. He says, there were six of them and one of those stone demons, you bitch, and you knew it. So he had found a way to kill one of the word hounds. Interesting and good. You know, I'm really rather tired of being called that. You'd think five centuries would give you enough time to come up with something more creative. Come a little closer and I'll show you just what five centuries can do. And then Rowan comes up behind him and goes, such a big mouth for someone who needs to mind his surroundings. It's I- so good. I love like a like a multiple yes throat knife scene because the best part about this is i titled this chapter in the notes a big mistake because that's what aelin calls it when she holds a knife to his favorite parts and even rowan says something and and aelin goes well i called it big 
And he's like, yeah, if you'd called it little, you'd already be dead. Yeah, so it's pretty funny. <laughs> okay, chapter 38 is when we find out that Lysandra is a shifter. Yes, this is the best chapter. Okay, basically she waltzes in and scares everybody half to hell. And Adian's like, make yourself at home, why don't you? It's fine. <laughs> yeah. How do you keep doing that? So she flicks her eyes over to Rowan and says, I don't think we were introduced the other day. Her queenliness had something rather urgent to tell me. A sly cat's glance in Aelin's direction. I mean, she is laying it on thick oh, here, yeah. people. Yeah. So then this is this is the moment. Rowan, seated on Adian's right, cocked his head to the side. Do you need an introduction? Lysandra's smile grew. I like your fangs, she said sweetly. Aelin choked on her grape. Of course Lysandra did. Rowan gave a little grin that usually sent Aelin running. Are you studying them so you can replicate them when you take my form, shapeshifter? Aelin's fork froze midair. Bullshit, Aelin said. And then basically the thing is, is that we find out when Lysandra knew that she was a shapeshifter, what happened in her childhood that led her to hear yeah. that she's a full-powered shifter and she asks Aelin to say something and Aelin just holds up a hand and says, just, just give me a moment. And it says a moment to sort out one friend from another, the friend she had loved and who had lied to her at every chance and the friend she had hated and who had kept secrets from herself, hated until love and hate had met in the middle, fused by loss. So she's thinking of Nehemia in this moment and this friend who had lied to her. And then she goes on to say that Lysandra hadn't lied to her. Nehemia had lied outright, kept things that were vital. What Lysandra was, they were even. After all, she hadn't told Lysandra she was queen. And then she speaks up and Lysandra was essentially waiting for the other shoe to drop. And then when it doesn't, she's relieved. And then she very, so they talk about freeing magic and all of this stuff. And then she says, you're not mad that I didn't tell you. Your secret would get you killed just as easily as mine, Lysandra. I just felt, I don't know. If anything, I wondered if I'd done something wrong, something to make you not trust me enough to tell me. And she said, I wanted to, I've been dying to. You risked those foul guards for me, for Adian, the day we rescued him, Aelin said. They'd probably be beside themselves if they realized there was a shifter in the city. And then Lysandra says one of my favorite things, and it's, even before I knew who you were, Aelin, I knew that what you were working toward, it was worth it. What is? Her throat tightened. A world where people like me don't have to hide. Times like these, I wish I had your particular skill set and said, would you do it if you could about two nights from now? I mean, Lysandra gently let go of her hand. I've thought about it every single day since Wesley died. I would do it and gladly, but I don't mind if you do it. You won't hesitate. I find that comforting somehow. So that's them talking about killing Arabin, obviously. Yes. And then yeah. is when the perfumed skin oil arrives. Adian and Rowan are both smelling and are like, what the hell is that? And she goes, perfumed skin oil. And Adian's like, why does he want you to wear it? It's just another move in the game we're playing. She'd have to rub it into her skin. His scent. Rowan lifted his brows. Are you all right? She nodded. I just want to get through these two days and be done with it. And then Adian's like, that will never stop being strange. She said, deal with it. And that is them communicating with just their eyes. Yeah. So there is an interview with Sarah J. Mass on YouTube. It is with, I forget her name, but she's a book. She's a booktuber. She's pretty popular on booktube. And it is for the tour of Queen of Shadows, maybe, I think is what it is. Queen of Shadows was out at this point. And the most interesting thing about it is in that interview, Sarah describes the scene that happens a little bit later on in the Assassin's Keep with Aelin and Rowan. And she does say that they do not have, they can't physically communicate mind to mind. It is literally just a look or an indication. And they just can read each other's like, 
facial expressions, that's what yeah. it is. So it is not related to the Karen Ann bond. It is not related to anything other than the fact it is just them looking at each other and knowing what it means. That's it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Chapter 39, they go to Sam's grave and Aylin puts rocks at the grave and mm-hmm. Rowan also puts a rock at the grave. It's very cute. It's very cute. It's very cute. Okay. Going to chapter 41, Aylin is getting dressed and she puts on the almond oil and she surprises Rowan by wearing the black dress that he liked. They both clean up really nicely. They both are very attracted to each other. It's palpable tension. It's fabulous. Please just reread it. And then as we move into the next thing, they get the Valg into the carriage. Nezrin drives the carriage over to the Assassin's Keep. They bring the Valg up the stairs with them and they are greeted by Arabin. Adian is bullish and brash as he puts on his facade. And then Rowan is just kind of standing there. She says, you look well. I suppose you already know my companions. Arabin turns and says, I haven't had the pleasure of meeting your cousin. And then with deliberate slowness, he turns to Rowan. You, I don't know. He made a show of looking Rowan over. It's been an age since I saw one of the Fae. I don't remember them being quite so large. Rowan moved deeper into the entry hall, every step laced with power and death, coming to stop at her side. You can call me Rowan. That's all you need to know. He cocked his head to the side of Predator, assessing his prey. Thank you for the oil, he added. My skin was a little dry. And literally, Arabin blinks, and Aelin is just like, Oh my <laughs> God, I love you. And she's just like looking at him. But what she says is uh, it took her a moment to process what Rowan had said and to realize that the almond smell hadn't just been coming from her. He'd worn it too. So like there are instances where Rowan moves closer to her and it gets stronger and she's just like, oh, I can smell it. It's so much stronger. And she doesn't understand that it's because Rowan has moved closer to her and he is also wearing it until this moment. And it's great. The other thing about this is what's really important about the Fae is scent is very important, which is one of the reasons Arabin sent it. And this is the first indication that one of the amazing things about Rowan Whitethorn, there's many, but my favorite thing about him is he knows that Aelin will take on anything and Rowan will do something to help Aelin Mm -hmm. and not tell her until the moment is right. And it is a very subtle protective thing. And this is one of those moments. Yeah. So good. Demons and dining, Sarah. Demons and dining. This is my favorite part. So so continuing with chapter 42, because this is all still in chapter 42. So mm-hmm. they go into the dining room and Aelin and Rowan and Lysandra are all there. The first thing they do is they take the valve and they bring it down to the like dungeon, I guess is like the best way to describe it. Yeah. And that was where Aelin had last seen Sam. So it's a little bit of a PTSD moment. Rowan and And like Rowan and Adian know. They know that. And they want to stay with Aelin, but Aelin tells them to go upstairs Mm -hmm. and which we can reveal this now but in the moment you don't realize that Aelin had switched the rings on the Valg and had communicated with them that what was going to occur. And so when the Valg starts speaking to Arabin, he tells him what he thinks he needs to hear, which is that the ring controls them. They need a drop of blood, blah, 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 blah. So this is important for what Arabin does later with Aelin. Aelin had this all set up. When they get back upstairs, there's dining. Aerobin p- specifically places everyone at the table in a very meticulous way so that it is kind of to his benefit. And he puts Aelin and Rowan across from each other. And 
Aylin and Rowan start doing their little mind communication. And one of my favorite things is the fact that Arabin brings up the fact that that Aylin had thrown the dagger at Lysandra. And Rowan goes, you really threw a dagger at her head? And she kind of just says, I was a tad hot-headed. And Rowan, in his mind, goes, I'm beginning to admire Lysandra more and more. A 17-year-old Aelin must have been a delight to deal with. She twitched her lips and said, I would pay good money to see 17-year-old Aelin meet 17-year-old Rowan. Rowan then responds, he could barely speak to females outside of his family. She calls him a liar. He says, it's true, you would have scandalized him with your night clothes, even that dress you have on. And she goes, he probably would have been even more scandalized to learn I'm not wearing any undergarments in this dress. And Rowan's knee bangs the table. (laughs) And then Arabin pauses. It's so good. Arabin pauses and Rowan says, you can't be serious. By the way, this is all in their minds. Oh, yeah. And uh, she says, did you see any place where this dress might hide them? Every line, every wrinkle would show. Rowan is essentially now mortified like also and and horny oh yeah oh yeah yeah and she goes how what is that sound what is that tiktok sound that's like chalk me down as horny and scared yeah exactly (laughs) and then she says how else am i supposed to keep your cranky immortal entertained not realizing while they're having this conversation that arabin is watching and so literally everybody is so arabin says I asked you if you had fun these past few weeks weeks wrecking my investment properties and ensuring all my clients won't touch me. And now we get into chapter 43 and this is the moment Aylin has been waiting for. So when earlier we brought up, we brought up Adian's rescue with Cormac, all of this, it was leading to this conversation right now. Mm-hmm. So he brings up all the things we just brought up and this is when you learn that there was all this scheming. This is when everyone at the table learns that Aelin wasn't just running around Rifthold doing crazy things. It was very, very clearly planned and schemed. And Rowan even admits that she's genius and he even says, and here I was thinking the red hair was just for vanity. I shall never doubt it again. And Aerobin says to Aelin, what will it take, dearest, for you to stop being such a raging pain in my ass? And she says, a few things, I think. Then they sit down and they have a bit of an honest conversation. Aelin basically reveals her cards that she wants the amulet of Orinth. Mm-hmm. And Aerobin is like, they have quite a bit of a heart to heart. I'm not going to get into that. The most important thing is he takes the necklace. He was wearing it and he takes it off and he shows it to Aelin and she realizes this is literally the necklace. It says it had been with a child's hands the last she'd held it. With a child's eyes, she'd last seen the cerulean blue front with the ivory stag and the gold star between its antlers. The immortal stag of Mala Firebringer brought over to these lands by Brandon himself to set free in Oakwald's forest. So she, Arobin hands her this and she knows it's the final word key and they kind of just agree in this moment that like okay like let bygones be bygones but what Aelin doesn't know is Arobin took the ring and slides it on Aelin's finger and this chapter ends with readers assuming that Aelin has now been turned into a valve quick side note when my mom read this book she got to this part at two in the morning and called me demanded I come downstairs and tell her everything would be right then we find out in chapter 44 my exact words to her were just read chapter 44 because one of the incredible things Sarah J Mass does so well is you read the beginning of 44 everyone in the carriage aka Rowan and Adian think that she genuinely is possessed 
well, not Rowan. And then when we get back to Aelin's apartment and they're safely inside and all the curtains are closed, Aelin takes off the ring and she says, so that's what he wanted. I honestly expected something grander. Yeah. Then we get the whole explanation. Aelin explains that she got the idea from Adi and worked with Lysandra's jeweler to get this ring so that she knew that this is what he would do. It was really the last final test. And everyone thinks that Aelin is going to kill Aerobin tonight. The truth is she is allowing Lysandra to do it. And, and Lysandra absolutely kills it. Kills it, yeah. The other important thing to note about this is Aelin and Rowan go up to the roof. And they have a moment. She goes to touch his face and Rowan says, don't touch my face. And so there is a bit of awkward tension between Rowan and Aelin, which could get into later. The only thing I'm going to say about it is, Rowan, you a stupid man, but it's fine. It's fine. They hide the word, they hide the necklace in the floorboards of her bedroom. Mm -hmm. So both of them realize that it is not good there's even a moment where they both like touch it and there's like a sense of magic between the two of them and they're like that could be useful later so that is another kind of interesting tidbit that happens in this chapter and it literally ends with lysandra like destroying aerobana so chapter 46 and 47 so 46 is really short it is just aelin wakes up she knows that at this point aerobin is most likely dead this is one of my favorite moments if she goes into the carriage with adian and rowan they both they're no one's really talking and mm -hmm. the last thing she says to them is don't get in my way and she kicks open the door when she walks into the keep in 47, she is like full on fire breathing bitch queen. She is like controlling the situation. Lysandra and Clarice are like off in the corner sobbing. They say that they found Arabin's body. Aelin goes upstairs, finds his body and basically is like, my God, Lysandra, what the hell did you do? <laughs> like, this is like a mess. Even Rowan's like, oh my god like there is like no salvaging this man that's my girl yeah oh uh, yeah that's no wait i'm so sorry girl. he was he was downstairs they moved his body because aelin says something about you moved it before i could see the scene of the crime like blah blah yeah there's just blood everywhere there's blood everywhere and so they're wondering why clarice is there and clarice is waiting for the master of bank because she believes that she is due some of arab and stuff so all of a sudden someone knocks at the door it's the master of the bank and he says, it is my will that my sole beneficiary of all my fortune, assets, and holdings should be to my heir, Selena Sardothian. And Clarice goes, what? And Hadian says, bullshit. Like, <laughs> and, and so they say it again. And Aelin goes, are there duplicates? Because the people who live in the keep are like, what the hell? And so Aelin says, if that's the case, she barred her teeth with a vicious smile. Get your whoring blood sucking carcasses the hell off my property. And even Lysandra's like, holy crap. She starts to count down, turn and the other, which I'm blanking on his name, both say to her, that they would get the money so that they could live at the keep and she's like okay so everyone leaves uh-huh and they said you switched the wills and aelin said you said you needed money for an army adian here's your money all of it every coin for terrison it was the least arab and owed us that night i found 
I fought at the pits. We were only there because I'd contacted the owners days before and told them to send out a subtle feelers for Arabin's investing. He took the bait, didn't even question the timing. So she made sure she did a kick-ass job so Arabin would have a ton of money. And then she changed the date of the will. So it was around the time that she was nowhere in rift hold. So that way it basically gave her an alibi that he did this on her on his own. And this is also what Aelin was planning when, when she was constantly leaving every night and Adian and Rowan are like, where the hell have you been? She's been secretly going to the bank and fixing all of this. So it is, you know, everything is kind of wrapped up. And then the chapter ends with Aelin lifting her father's sword and severing Arabin's head. It rolls off and she smiles grimly at the corpse and says, just to be sir. And that is the end of chap- of part one, which is Lady of the Shadows. And that starts part two. Witch talk. Okay. Witch talk. The Reek of Morath. Okay, so chapter eight is um, when we first interact with Manon and the 13. They have been in Morath for weeks. They have seen no battles and they feel as if they are just like the king's errand runners. Um, she's in a meeting with the Duke. She's been summoned. She takes note of the Duke's silent bride, which we find out is Caltane. So these are the important things to know about Caltane in this instance. She's held kind of by the Duke's side by an invisible chain. A dark collar is clasped around her moon white throat, a collar that made Manon keep her distance such a wrong scent around all these people human but also not and on this woman the scent was strongest and strangest like the dark forgotten places of the world like tilled soil in a graveyard and then also there was a thick red scar just before the dip of her elbow two inches long slightly raised it had been recent she didn't flinch at the duke's intimate touch didn't show a flicker of pain as his thick fingers caressed the violent scar so we find out later in this book what is hidden within that scar but there is something hidden within that scar they've taken over the keep in such a way that their wyverns are not made to stay downstairs like with the rest of them from the fleet of witches and so fleet is the wrong word but whatever and the only thing i want to point out is that the keep was nestled in a dense made of only bare rock with few signs of spring that had now blanketed most of the land a dead festering place sounds a whole lot like Another place we know in a distant, far-off land surrounded by stars. Anyways, moving on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, you know, Astrin kind of mouths off and it pisses Manon off. And that's kind of only really important to know because, yeah. The Blood of a Witch is chapter 12. She keeps getting summoned like a dog. Manon is over it. And she marks Caltane again, but notices that the scar on her arm has darkened into a purplish red and it's only been like a couple of days. So it should not have healed that quickly. Experiments and changing of ranks. So Duke has asked Manon to provide a black deep coven for them to experiment on with the Valg. They talk about the Valg and how they were made, like the witches were made. And then Asterin loses her mind about the breeding and the witchlings and the everything and listen there there are reasons for it and so it's just a lot harder to read when you are reading it on a on a second go through because you know more about Asterin's backstory so essentially she's yelling like witchlings are sacred sacred Manon we don't give them away not even to other clans she's asking what Manon's gonna do if people object she says it's not right and then Manon is just over Astrin constantly lashing out and sharing her opinion that she makes her third 
instead of second. Mm-hmm. And she moves Sorrel up to second. It's and interesting in, in Era Fire, I would say that story was so focused on Manon's journey. Like, I mean, yeah. the 13 were there and they played an important role, but it was very much Manon that we were learning yeah. about. Queen of Shadows focuses on the 13 and it you, really focuses on that relationship with Manon. Yeah. You needed to know Manon yeah. in Era Fire to have give any value to the 13 yeah so i can see why she did it that way but yeah no i freaking love the 13 anyways so she gets demoted and she has to tell everyone and she calls her lady and she's very sad and blah 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 enter elite Locken. so elite is stuttering she is wandering around manon's chambers she we find out what happens to a lead, why she's in chains, why she has a messed up leg, what she's trying to like do. And then Manon tells her to leave. She slices her nail underneath a chin and leaves a trickle of blood in its wake. And then she just because takes her finger and puts it in her mouth to taste a lead's blood. And it's, and it's an effort for Manon to keep her face blank because what she tastes in Elid's blood is witch blood. So I'm going to quickly point out for anyone who's an Akatar fan, I think Elid and Elaine have a lot in common. Yeah. The fact that Elid walks around Manon and is meek and seems very timid and shy yeah. and gives this persona of quiet Mm-hmm. And then I think it's like, what, in a chapter or two, we get Ellie's point of view. And that is not the case, right? Mm-hmm. What I love about her interactions with Manon is, and and the difference we see in Manon's interactions with Elide and the inner circle's interactions with Elaine. Yeah. Is that Manon sees right through it. Yes. She sees right through it. And she's like, can you please just stop? And not to get um, too political up in here, but you know who else sees right through it? Lucian. Well, yeah, but we're not going to, we, this is why we just talked for two hours, Sarah. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just had to point that out there. Okay. Okay. Anyways, moving on. The other thing is that, uh, so Sorrel has talks to Manon and questions her without questioning her. So Manon says, I think you sometimes forget what my grandmother can do. Trust me, Manon, we don't, Sorrel said softly as the blacksmith appeared a set of blades in his powerful arms. And more than any of us, Astrin has never for a second forgotten what your grandmother is capable of. Manon knew she could demand more answers, but she also knew that Sorrel was stone and stone would not break. So Sorrel knows, which we find out later, but Sorrel knows and is not sharing it with Manon because in reality, Asterin did not want it shared with Manon. Okay, so chapter 20 is uh, The Girl Who Cried Wolf, which is where we get Elid's point of view. So we learn that she is tricking people into giving her what she wants. She's finding out information on supply wagons. She's trying to get out of Morath. This is the first time she's been let out of her tower. It's very Rapunzel-esque. And so she goes and... Her uncle, Vernon, who we met earlier in this book, has stolen her father's title and is the Lord of Parents when she, in reality, is the heir and Lady of Parents. But she said there's not much of Terrison's court left to belong to. She has always kind of kept her nose down with the hope that Aelin would have survived and could come and save her, essentially. And then, you know, Manon realizes that she 
has this vicious mind. The wing leader held a lead's gaze as she took the letter. I'm surprised the seal isn't broken, though if you were a good spy, you would know how to do it without breaking the wax. If I were a good spy, a lead breathed, I could also read a bit of truth to temper the witch's distress. So this is another one of Sarah J. Mass's characters who can't read. And then Manon pauses, points to the envelope and, and the jumble of letters there and says, this says Manon Blackbeak. You see anything like this again, you bring it to me. And then there's a huge Valg info dump in this chapter. Like I'm talking huge. The things to point out from it are millennia ago. Interesting. When the Valg broke into our world, which is did not exist. It was the Valg, the fate and the humans, but the Valg were demons. I suppose they wanted our world for their own and they could thought a good way to get it would be to ensure that their offspring could survive here. The humans weren't compatible, too breakable, but the Fae, they kidnapped and stole whatever Fae they could, and they made the witches. The Iron Teeth took after the Valg ancestors, while the Krakens got more of the Fae traits. The Fae King, granted, didn't think it was right to hunt us all down, so he gave us the Western Waste, and there we went until the Witch Wars made us exiles again. And if the Valg were ever to return here, Brandon and the Fae Queen Maeve found ways to defeat them to send them back. I would hope that someone would find a way to do so again. And then later, 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 it says, to what end? Why do all of this? Why ally with the Valg? Why raise this army? Why? She could not understand it. The continent already belonged to them. It made no sense. Because we can, the Duke said simply, and because this world has too long dwelled in ignorance and archaic tradition, it is time to see what might be improved. That's important. Okay. Okay. Chapter 25. Asterin comes to the kitchens and works with Elide to try to get more information from Elide on who she is and why she's important to Manon. Basically, Elide finds out that Manon tasted witch blood in her. One of the things I titled in the notes was a pla because uh, Elide doesn't really have a plan. She has a pla. Maybe we can even consider it that. (laughs) (laughs) Look, I love a good friends quote, okay? And then blue or red. So allying yourself with the witches, Vernon asked Elite, how ruthless of you. There is nothing to ally against, uncle. Perhaps I kept you too sheltered for all those years. If you believe that's so, say your piece and be gone. Careful, wing leader. You know precisely where your power ends. I know precisely where to bite is how Manon responds to him because Manon is a magical human being and I love her. Anyway, they talk about how Elite's dad was executed and she had forgotten and she felt really really bad about it and then she decides that she would rather be protected by Manon and the witches than under Vernon's control any longer or be with the Valg at all so she says that she bleeds blue yeah I mean who would want to be under his clutches because he is literally the worst person well one of the worst people in this story he gets what's coming to him and Mm -hmm. it's great Mm -hmm. all right chapter 31 friends this is the introduction of shadow fire it's so good shadow fire shadow fire okay so these are the quotes we pulled her black filmy dress was like woven night caltaine was facing a kneeling trembling young soldier her pale hand outstretched towards his contorted face and all over her an unholy aura of dark fire burned tendrils of the of that black Fire floated from Caltain's fingertips and slithered over his skin, leaving no marks. The human turned pain-filled gray eyes to Manon. Please, he mouthed. Shadow fire, Parrington froze as if surprised she had spoken. Where does the shadow fire come from? From me. And a voice that was dead and hollow and yet vicious. It has always been there asleep, and now it has been awoken, shaped anew. Interesting choice of wording there, Caltain. The shadow fire fought 
shot from her hand and wrapped around the soldier like a second skin. He opened his mouth in a silent scream, convulsing and thrashing, tipping his head back to the ceiling of the tent and sobbing in quiet, unheard agony. But no burns marred his skin as if the shadow fire summoned only pain as if it tricked the body into thinking it was being incinerated. Then we talk about the Valg Princes. Um... And Manon finds out that there is something that the high witches are working on for the king's army, but she doesn't know what it is yet. And then Elide falls asleep under Abraxas's wing, and it's very cute. Manon ends that chapter with, if you had any backbone, Elide, you would have stayed be- beside Abraxas until we left. So she shares all of this information with Astrin and Sorrel in front of Elide to make sure that Elide hears it. And then Manon tasks her with becoming a spy and just is like, you didn't think that your protection was free, did you? So Elide finds out more about what's happening. She follows the laundress. She finds out what's happening to the yellow beak coven that had volunteered to be bred um, so that Manon didn't have to give up black beak coven. And at the end, Elid says, did you get into the chamber? The witch said, not bothering to turn around. Elid swallowed, I need you to get me some poison. This is the craziest thing about the witch chapters. Is like, you read Rowan and Aelin stuff and you're like, oh, this is intense. And then you read the witch chapters and you're like, this is a new level of intensity. Yeah. And like, I'm like buzzing through them. So sorry, guys. <laughs> We're on chapter 40 now. So Elid basically poisons part of the bread for dinner after weaseling her way into like the good graces of the cook makes sure that the laundress she's been tailing gets a poisoned piece but a third of the laundresses all have to go down in order to cover up the fact that it was poison and disgusting but it's fine yeah it's fine whatever you know elite's gotta do what elite's gotta do she's gotta get down there so anyways so they do that um and then Elide volunteers and she goes to the dungeon and she is found later by Blackbeak Coven Sentinel and recognized and brought to Manon. So Manon says, report, I saw the chamber. Elide is covered in her own vomit and pee at this point because of what she saw. Something opened the door to take the laundry and I saw the chamber beyond. The thing that opened the door was a beautiful man, a man with golden hair and a collar around his neck, but he was not a man. There was nothing human in his eyes. One of the princes, it had to be. I'd pretended to fall so I could buy myself more time to see who opened the door. When he saw me on the ground, he smiled and this darkness leaked out of him. Did you know how many times they were each to be implanted with offspring before they were let go? From what I saw, they've delivered at least one baby each and are already about to give birth to another. That's impossible, Sorrel said. The witchlings, Aster and Breathe. Elid really did vomit again this time. They are not witchlings. They are not babies. Elid spat, covering her face with her hands as if to rip out her eyes. They are creatures. They are demons. Their skin is like black diamond and they have these snouts with teeth fangs already they have fangs and not like yours they have teeth of black stone there is nothing of you in them and then astrin loses her mind and attacks manon sorrel is ready to kill astrin at manon's word because she made the air bleed and that is the brutality of the witches manon basically says you're demoted again vesta will be third and then she says, if you try to free them, if you do anything stupid, Astra and Blackbeak, the next punishment you, you'll you receive will be your own execution. You hate to see it, but like, yeah. unfortunately, Manon needs to get to this space mm-hmm. to get where she is at the end of Queen of Shadows. 
Yeah. And then additionally, after that, Elid says, is your broken kingdom worth it? I do not expect a human to understand what it is like to be a mortal with no homeland, to be cursed with eternal exile. My kingdom was conquered by the king of Otterland and everyone I loved was executed. My father's lands and my title were stolen from me by my uncle and my best chance of safety now lies in sailing to the other end of the world. I understand what it is like to wish to hope. It is not hope. It is survival is how Manon replies. Yep. Then she says at the end of this paragraph, do you believe that monsters are born or are they made? And then Elid responds with, I am not the one who needs to answer that question. And then, yep, that's it. That's all the witch stuff for part one. There's a lot more to pull for them. You should go back and read the chapters, obviously, because the witches and there's not a whole lot in them, but it's important and they're good. And oh, I just love it. It's, I think what Sarah does an incredible job when it comes to the witch chapters in Queen of Shadows is the buildup because- yeah there i mean you can feel it even now the tension is real i mean it is really high right now with the witches and it's only gonna get worse it's only two. yeah it's only gonna get worse and part two has so much wild stuff with the witches well, and part two is you you see the breakdown yes. so we've just been asked are monsters born or are they made yeah and Manon has to answer that question for herself. And trust me, y'all, she answers it in part two. Yeah, she does. And, and yeah, I think also, I think when you read Air of Fire, you see who the witches are and in their DNA, essentially. And Manon is already starting to break from that pattern. And right. it really isn't until that second part of Queen of Shadows where she finally goes, yep, we're not going to do this. We're going to do it my way. She's got a little bit of different DNA, so it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> and that's all we're going to say about You know, that. could you imagine us doing Queen of Shadows in one podcast? No. Y'all are probably not going to get part two until next week, which is fine. Yeah, sorry, guys. Uh, Avery is busy. That's fine. She's really sorry. All right. Well, we love you guys. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. We appreciate it. We hope it. you enjoy part one of Queen part of Shadows. One. Part two is where it gets wild. Gold nightgown. Shadow fire. Princeling Witchling. Witch killer, the human is still inside him. Freaking love that part. <laughs> Freaking love it. Okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs>